You're listening to Mary's Touch Radio. Our program is entirely listener-supported through generous donations from listeners like you. Discover and explore our entire archive of inspirational content at marystouch.org. And thank you for your support. Mary's Touch, real-life stories of Mary's love. I really do feel that Mary had a role in bringing me back to the Catholic Church. He reminded me that Mary was my mom. I always fell upon if I needed a desperate prayer, I always called to Mary. I could see that Mary had a hand in this. She began to speak to my heart. Mary's Touch, real-life stories of Mary's love. Hi, this is Sherry Labonte. And I'm Father Jim Evans. Welcome to Mary's Touch, the show that brings you real-life stories of Mary's love. You're listening to and learning about Mary, the mother of Jesus. Today our show will be centered on a fight, a fight for life. Our guest is Abby Johnson, who is an activist for all the right reasons. We had Abby on the show, oh, probably five or six years ago. And she told us her story of working for Planned Parenthood. She was called in to assist in an ultrasound-guided abortion. She told us that she had been told that in an abortion, fetuses could not feel anything while being aborted. She saw what really happened, and from that moment on, her life was changed. Yes, Sherry, and Abby could no longer have anything to do with assisting women in getting abortions. And so she resigned. She calls her experience a spiritual conversion. Let's find out more about that, and let's welcome Abby Johnson back to Mary's Touch. Hi, Abby. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you for being with us today. Did we get that pretty straight about how you witnessed the abortion and at that moment decided that you couldn't be there anymore? That is absolutely true. And um, we have talked about sidewalk angels before. And did you not go to one of those people who used to pray in front of your Planned Parenthood building? I did. Um, There was a pro-life group that... um the Coalition for Life, they had been outside of my clinic the entire eight years that I worked there. And so when I saw this ultrasound-guided abortion, I I knew, I mean, it was just sort of like, you know, I had seen terrible things in the industry for the past eight years, but it was just like this truth washed over me, and I was just seeing things from completely different eyes. I mean, people talk about how God can remove the veil, you know, lift the veil from your eyes, and that That is completely true. I mean, it is a physical act as well. I mean, I was all of a sudden seeing things in a completely different way. And, you know, for those eight years, these pro-lifers had told me if I ever wanted to leave that they would help me get out. And so I didn't know who to go to. And so I just said, look, God, if this is where you're pointing me to go, then I'm going to go. And and so I did. and, And they were just so gracious and so loving and you know, they helped me get out and, and, and get on this path that I'm on now. Tell us what that path is, Abby. I think everyone's so interested in your story and your successes and what's in your heart today. Well, um, 
I am a public speaker. I'm a pro-life speaker. I go around the world and, and talk about my story and just the realities of abortion. I'm also a post-abortive woman. I've had two abortions myself and um, participated in approximately 20,000 abortions during my time at Planned Parenthood. And, um, you know, I just want people to, to know the truth about abortion, to know the truth about the industry, that this is a business and that abortion is a product that Planned Parenthood is selling to the masses. And so I talk about that. I talk about my own healing, my my own story of conversion and, and also coming into the Catholic Church. We were received into the Catholic Church about four years ago, my husband and I. But about three years ago, I started an organization called And Then There Were None. And we are an organization that seeks to proactively reach into abortion clinics and get abortion clinic workers, all of the workers, the nurses, the billing people, the receptionists, and the doctors themselves, getting them out of the industry and getting them onto a path of healing and also back into a relationship with Jesus Christ. How do you do that? I mean, I'm sure you just don't ring the doorbell. Well, you know, almost. Um, I I do make calls every day to abortion clinics across the country and just letting them know that our organization exists, that we are there to help them if they want to, if they ever want to leave their jobs. Usually it's a friendly conversation and we have had significant success in just reaching out to them personally and letting them know that there is a better way for them. Um, we also send out mailers at least twice a year. We send out a mailer, a postcard that talks about our services and how we can help them into every abortion clinic across the country. That's also been very successful. We work with different pro-life groups in different areas, letting them know or asking them to get job leads for these workers. And then what we can do is if we have a, you know, a pro-life physician who's willing to hire one of these workers from the abortion clinic, we will call into the clinic specifically and talk to whoever answers the phone and say, look, we have another job if you want to leave. This is how much it's paying. This is what they can offer you. We've had success with that as well. Um, we also train sidewalk counselors on just sort of best practices on how to reach out to abortion clinic workers as they're coming and, and going from their jobs. So we've had a tremendous amount of success. In the past three years, we've had 197 abortion clinic workers come through our ministry and find healing. And then we also, out of that 197, six of them were full-time abortion doctors who wow. left their, their jobs as abortionists and now work to defend life. Well, whenever you um, find someone who's interested in escaping from their their life that they're leading and the job that they're performing, um, do you, um, you you call it a ministry? And do you bring people in? And do you have a debriefing, or do you have a, a program to rehabilitate them, or what's the program, Abby? Yeah, we we have we feel like it's a very comprehensive program for workers who want to leave. You know, we don't ever want money to be a reason that someone stays inside of an industry that performs abortions. And so we do provide um, temporary transitional financial help to help them get out of the industry so that when they make the decision that they no longer want to work there, they can leave that day. They can just walk out of their job. And that's what the majority of them are doing. And they know that they have a safety net from our organization, from our ministry, that's going to help them. They're not going to be on the street. We have 
recruiters and HR professionals that work with us to help them find other sources of employment, life-affirming employment in their area. We also have more than 3,000 pro-life attorneys who have stepped forward and will provide pro bono um, free legal help to any worker uh, that leaves and needs legal assistance. So let me interrupt you. Why would they need legal assistance? For for leaving the job, like having a contract? Well, sometimes it's for a contract. Sometimes it is that they were a participant in illegal practices or they witnessed illegal practices, oh, okay. so they're going to be a whistleblower. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we want to make sure that their legal interests are protected whenever they leave the clinic. Okay. We've also had situations of just security issues, the workers being harassed and threatened after they leave the abortion industry by the abortionist or by people that work in the clinic. Wow. So sometimes we have to get restraining orders or cease and desist letters from the clinic itself so that these workers can have some peace after they've left. My goodness. Um, yeah, it's it's dangerous. I mean, we had one worker who, when she told them that she was resigning, they pulled a gun on her. What? Um, and, mm. and threatened her life if she ever talked to any pro-life group. And she immediately called us. I mean, she was hysterical on the phone, and we had her go to the police. But this is, <laughs> I mean, I tell people it's sort of like getting out of the mob or like a yes. gang. I mean, because there's so much secrecy, and there are so many dirty details. You know, there's so much dirty laundry and secrets inside the abortion industry that they do not want to get out. And these workers are the best source of information. Sure. Um, and so they are terrified every time a worker leaves. And they're very scared that they're going to contact a pro-life organization. Wow. So we also provide healing retreats for abortion clinic workers. So similar to something like Project Rachel, um, it's a healing program. It's very theology of the body heavy, really trying to rehumanize these workers who have been dehumanized by the practice of abortion. And so we have healing retreats. We're actually having one coming up on Friday. I would ask people to pray for the workers that are coming. We have 15 people attending. And, you know, we're just trying to help them heal from what they've experienced inside the abortion industry. And and there's certainly spiritual attacks. We want them to get, you know, into a church. Uh, Many of the people that, that come to us are Catholic, and so we want to get them back into the sacraments, get them into reconciliation, and, you know, get them also hooked up with, a, you know, a spiritual advisor or someone that can help them along their way, somebody local, because we are a national ministry. So we have workers coming from, you know, all, all states. So, you know, we feel like we provide a pretty comprehensive program to the workers that leave. And we've had, you know, just what we believe to be astronomical success in getting the workers out. Yes, I would say yes. And, you know, I'm I'm just almost speechless. Well, I am too. You, you you used it as a like trying to get away from the mob. Yeah. And it, it truly is because you've got murderers there and that's what they are. They're murderers. No other way to say it. And uh, people participating, aiding and abetting in a crime. Yes. And it is a crime not only against nature but uh, uh, against uh, their fellow human beings. Uh, everything connected with it is uh, is a crime and uh, against God's laws. And uh, God's laws are the ones we're concerned with. And speaking of God's laws, you went into a spiritual conversion, Avi, and I would love to hear about that and uh, the role that the faith 
as played. I know it's a strong one, but there may be some instances here which somebody out there listening right now is going to hear you mention. They're going to say, yes, that's what I need. That's where I am. Right. Yes. I mean, what you've been stating, as you said, it's getting out of the mob. It's beyond my wildest thoughts. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Most of the workers that come to us, they have experienced a spiritual conversion. So the veil has been lifted. They are now seeing the truth. You know, we just had one worker who recently came to us from a different state. She's been working at, at the abortion clinic for years, and they do abortions up to 24 weeks at the clinic where she works and had never had a problem with it, never, you know, never seen an issue with it. And then her sister had a stillbirth at 20 weeks. And she said, I just can't even explain it. I just looked at him, you know, my my nephew who had died, and my sister is crying, and I'm looking at him, and she said, all of a sudden I just realized, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? I mean, every day we take the lives of babies further along than he is, and he is clearly a baby. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, and so... It was just this this complete, I mean, just 180. I mean, in a second. It can happen in a second. I mean, that's what happened for me. And and a lot of times when these workers leave, there are just a lot of spiritual attacks. I mean, of course, you know, the enemy, I mean, Satan is so mad when when these workers leave these clinics. And particularly if it's been because they've sort of had this encounter with, with Christ. And so, you know, it's interesting. I mean, it's it's definitely, there's just so much grace that these workers, they don't even realize how much grace is available to them when they first step out and how much mercy, I mean, just the scandalous mercy that Christ offers us every day. And so it's it's just been really beautiful. But yeah, I mean, there definitely is a, a spiritual component to it. Um, you know, that that is a, a very strong conversion point for these workers. And and I can say the majority of the workers that leave, they're just like me. They grew up in church. They know the Lord. They they loved the Lord at one point in time. They knew right and wrong. But a transition into the abortion industry or into any sin, you know, into to living a life of sin, that doesn't happen overnight. It's a slow process. It is a slow transition. It's just one sin after another, you know, one justification after another, one rationalization after another. It doesn't happen overnight. I didn't go from being this good Christian kid that grew up in Bible camps to running an abortion clinic one day. It was a slow transition into that. And so, you know, many times it's a slow transition to get them out. Their conversion may take place in just a second. But then, you know, helping them get back into relationship with Christ, sometimes that is a that is a slower process. Abby, I'm reminded as we speak here of a situation which I was called to uh, uh, meet with a family uh, after a miscarriage. And I was visiting with the family in the funeral home because we were going to have a regular funeral for the miscarried child. And um, it, it, it's kind of hard for me to speak about because it uh, it brings up a very sad image in my mind, and it, it it hurts, but it's beautiful. And that was I watched the grandfather reach into the little casket, lift 
the baby up, kissed it, and cried, and the tears ran over that 24-week infant, now dead, the family all around shedding tears for a life. And the mother, yes. The father, yes. But sometimes we don't realize others, too. I saw the brothers and sisters of that baby crying there, holding on to their mother and dad, and looking up with cloudy eyes at the grandfather. And that just makes me tear up today. Life is so precious and is so cavalierly thrown away by the devil. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, I, I do believe that we will see an, an end to abortion. And if we don't believe that, then as pro-lifers, I mean, why are we even fighting this? We, we have to believe that we will that we will win this this battle. We already know that we've won the war. We already know that we have victory in Christ. But we have to believe that we're going to win this battle. And you know, I believe that that happens by one conversion at a time, one heart, one mind at a time. And that person will then go back into their circle of influence, their communities, their small groups, their family, their friends. And they will then share their experience with those people, and those people might experience a conversion. And so it creates a ripple effect inside of our society. And then these conversions, just one at a time, are part of a paradigm shift. And that's what we're, that's what we're seeking. We're seeking a paradigm shift through conversion, one heart and one mind at a time, from a culture of death to a culture of life. And so you know, we know that life is is sacred and we know that it's important for us to defend the sanctity of human life from conception till natural death. And sometimes it's very easy for us to get frustrated and to say, you know, why isn't this happening faster, God? You know, um, you know, you could make this happen overnight. Why aren't you doing it? But it's one heart and one mind, one person at a time. And I believe that we will see the victory in this battle because we are seeing victories every single day in this movement. I mean, I can't tell you how many people email me, go to my Facebook page on Twitter and they say, you know what? I, you know, I read this, I saw this, not necessarily anything of mine, but just, I saw this that somebody wrote, or I saw this and it changed my mind on the issue of abortion. I mean, these conversions are happening every single day. And so we just have to keep up the fight and, and, you know, not let ourselves get discouraged and to keep running this race. It's not a sprint. This is, you know, we're going to be in this for the long haul. Because even if abortion were overturned tomorrow, even if Roe v. Wade was overturned tomorrow, and for some reason abortion became illegal all throughout our country, we still have millions and millions of hurting people, people who have been hurt by abortion. And so we have a significant work of of mercy to get out there and and to do um, in our society. Yes. The Blessed Virgin Mary is there as a mediatrix and the one who will introduce, as Sherry always says at the start of every one of these shows and often during the shows, will so happily introduce you to her son. And through all of this, that conversion of heart and thereby of life, can come into the lives of these people who are so desperate 
so desperate that they would turn to a culture of death in the search for something they don't recognize and haven't seen. And I love the way you said the veil has been lifted from their eyes and the veil lifted thereby from their hearts and from their lives and they can go into a clearer place where they can surely, surely get out of the darkness and into the light. And the light of the truth seems to be so hard for people in this society and around the world to come into. Why can't they come into that light? And we pray. I wonder that myself, because it's not just with abortions. No. What has happened to our society? Mm -hmm. Death lurks around every corner and is based upon pure evil. And we even have people uh, in this world who are out there and who actually have a weird sense of worship of evil. And it culminates usually in sacrifice of the human life. The reason for that is why? Because it's the most precious thing. And they're out to destroy that which is most precious. Well, and it all circles around to life, right? Because, yes. you know, we see homosexuality, for example, rampant in our in our society. And, and not homosexuality itself, but but the push for rights, you know, homosexual marriage and things like that. Mm-hmm. We see so many people, so many women and men contracepting inside the church when we know that that is a sin. You know, why does that happen? Because it all revolves around life. We have removed the procreative act from sex, and we have treated life as a burden. It all stems around life, homosexuality and and this, this push for gay marriage, contraception inside the church, abortion. You know, all of it is about taking, ending, and being close to life. You're right on target, Evie. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It. Um, I. I had. I, I'm just. You know, kind of speechless about all what we've just said, because. Um, you know, maybe this is one of the problems, is that I've never looked at it like this. I've never heard some of these st- statistics. And once no. you hear them, it changes no. you forever. It really does. And, Abby, one of the things that you've mentioned a while ago in your success story is um, the conversion of doctors. And uh, what I was reminded of when you were saying that uh, doctors have been converted and are now very pro-life, then that is that they take a Hippocratic oath, and it is to do no harm. Have you ever... Um, had any discussions with these converted doctors as to how they justified doing harm? You know, it's interesting. Several years ago, they actually removed that. Doctors no longer take the Hippocratic Oath. (laughs) Oh, well, isn't Um, that comforting? Yeah, yeah. So they actually removed that, and, and many people believe that one of the reasons they removed it was because of abortion, because of... Um, the abortion conversation and that controversy. So it's interesting. But yeah, I mean, it's it's just a disconnect. I mean, even with some I've talked to, um, because usually with the doctors, it's a long process. It usually, they have a lot of um, assets usually tied up into the clinics that they own or work for. So it's usually a long process. It's a long discussion. I mean, one guy I talked to for over a year before he finally said, okay, I want to leave. 
But for him, when we first started talking, he was really just going hard, like justifying why he was doing with what he was, you know, why he was doing what he was doing and really just laying on the <laughs> the rationalizations with me. And I finally mm-hmm. just said, look, you know, you don't have to justify your work to me. I mean, you just don't. I mean, you believe what you want to believe, and I don't need to hear your rationalizations. And he was like, well, it's not, it's not a justification. I'm like, oh, it is. I mean, it absolutely is. And that was something I don't think he had ever heard before. And so, you know, after a year's time, you know, he was he was even, we even uh, ended up going to adoration together um, when I was in his area. Right. But, but it was a slow transition. Um, and he actually um, entered, he ended up entering the Catholic Church. Well, good but, for you um, for converting someone, yes, or being can, a, an object of conversion. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, it's just, it's, I mean, it's beautiful, but it's, it's just, like I said, this is not a sprint. <laughs> you know, yeah. we are in this for the long haul. Mm-hmm. It, we have to be slow and steady, and they just don't see it. I mean, it's hard to explain to someone who, I mean, those of us that are pro-life and, and people are like, I just don't see how, they, I don't understand how they don't see it. I mean, they just don't. They just literally don't. And they have convinced themselves, if you lie enough, you begin to believe that lie. The lie becomes and, the truth. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they have lied to themselves so much about how they are helping women by by giving them access to safe and legal abortion procedures. They have said it. It become they have said it so much. It becomes their reality. It becomes their truth, and so it, it's it's just us, you know, trying to very gently chip away at those justifications, but not sugarcoating it. I mean, I don't sugarcoat it with these people when I talk to them, particularly these doctors. They're smart people, you know. They're they are physicians, and so I can be very honest with them and say, look, this is what you're doing, and this is how you're not helping women. You think you are, but you're not. And, you know, just ha- but having those conversations, those one-on-one conversations with people, that, to me, is what I have found to, to be the most successful in bringing about conversion. Well, you have opened our eyes oh, yes. to many, many aspects of this problem and this sin, and I thank you for that. And one of the things I'm really curious about now on is uh, who led the fight to remove the um, do no harm from the Hippocratic Oath? I don't know. I don't know if it was the AMA. I'm not really sure. I should actually look that up. But I just, I just know I was told by a physician, actually, um, who just recently graduated from his residency or whatever, and he said, um, I, I was told by him first, and then I've been told by a few other people, physicians, you know, who said, no, they don't even, they don't even say that anymore. Oh, that's horrible. Um, and that just sort of shows you, I mean, where we are <laughs> yeah. in society, that physicians aren't even required to take an oath that states they will not do harm wow. to their patients. Abby, thank you so very, very much for opening my eyes today, that's for sure, um, and for your project of, uh, of And Then There Were None. That's just absolutely wonderful what you're doing, and our prayers are for you. And uh, I think, Father, uh, last 
a last moment thought well, and a blessing? Well, especially a, a blessing upon Abby and her husband as they go through this work and all of the people that are now working with you and for those who are supporting your your uh, foundation, your program, and then there were none, which uh, has as a marvelous goal the end to abortion. Wouldn't it be wonderful if people appreciated the gift of life, God's gift to all of us? God created us out of love, not out of any necessity, but out of pure love. And now we ask that pure love, which is God, to come in a blessing into the lives of each and every one of us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This program is produced by Mary's Touch, a nonprofit corporation dedicated to bringing you the love of Mary and her son, Jesus. If you have questions, comments, or a story to share, write to us at Mary's Touch, P.O. Box 341991, Austin, Texas, 78734, or email radio at marystouch.org. For more stories or to find out more about Mary, visit our website, at marystouch.org. You're listening to Mary's Touch Radio. Our program is entirely listener-supported through generous donations from listeners like you. Discover and explore our entire archive of inspirational content at marystouch.org. And thank you for your support.